0: Welcome back to another episode of Practical Nutrition. I'm Sarah. I'm Cassie. I'm Alex. And I'm Amanda. And today we are talking about the most effective ways to change unhealthy behaviors. This was this was requested by one of our members here, which is awesome. We love requests. And it was based around our previous podcast that we did when um, we talked about rationalizing unhealthy behaviors. So now we'll tell you how do we change those unhealthy behaviors. And remember that we all rationalize. We all do this. It's human nature to make our own self feel better about the choices that we make. And we told you that if your habits tend to fall on the unhealthy side more often than the healthy side, then it's probably time to start thinking about ways to change those unhealthy behaviors. So today that's what we're going to do. We're going to tell you what we think the most effective ways to change unhealthy behaviors are. If you are ready to take that next step, then listen up. This podcast is for you. So first, we'll start with kind of the first step or the first thing to think about, and that's to actually be ready for change. I think this is the most important, Um, and if I were to sit back and look at my successful clients that I've worked with on um, healthy lifestyle changes, I think this is one of the key characteristics for my own clients. They were truly ready for change, and knowing that you need to make changes and then actually doing them are very different. So you can kind of ask yourself some simple questions to assess am I ready for change? One is, are you motivated to make these long-term lifestyle changes? So we do have a podcast over motivation. Um, If you haven't listened to that, go check it out. It'll help you kind of assess, are you ready for motivation? And do you possess the right type? So we talked about intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic motivation. Everyone has both, but with these lifestyle changes, we do like to emphasize having intrinsic motivation. The second question is, have you addressed big distractions in your life? So if you're currently going through major life events like family problems, job stress, illness, financial stress, things that are going to get in the way of you making these changes, then sit back for a second. You might need to address those and then come back to, okay, now it's time to move on to a different problem in my life, which may be those unhealthy behaviors um, related to your nutrition and fitness. Another question to ask is, do you have a realistic picture of your goals? This is one of our values here at AYB. We always want clients to be realistic, and we want to be realistic with you guys. Another question is, have you resolved emotional or mental health issues connected to your behavior? Sometimes it can be beneficial to go see someone to help you work through emotions like anger, stress, grief, sadness, even happiness. Emotions and foods do often overlap. And identifying emotional issues related to food and having a professional help you work through them can be beneficial. We can also help you do this, but there is a point where it may be beneficial to go to someone else before you see us. And then do you have support and accountability? This is huge. There's research everywhere that says support groups, having supportive healthcare professionals, um, supportive friends and families can help you be successful in lifestyle changes. And then the last question to ask yourself is are you truly ready to embrace the process of behavior change? Having a positive mindset, which is something that we'll talk about today, can do worlds for you. And if you are someone who dreads what lies ahead, this leads to excuses. And often you quit making those behavior changes. So if you answered yes to most or all of these questions, you're probably ready. Yay. You can take that next step. You answered no, you might not be ready right now and that's okay. Identify what's holding you back and how you can act on those obstacles. And dietitians like us and other mental health professionals, we're here to help you work through those issues. So now we'll move into our second step, which is to identify the habits you want to change. You definitely need
1: direction in order to make changes. And so identification equals admittance. And so admitting where you need to change and what your situation is, is a huge step in the process and um, helps you really change to reach a goal. So you can start by making a list of things that you want to change related to your health. And then, you know, sometimes that can be overwhelming if you see, okay, I need to change like everything I'm doing. So, um, but you can choose to focus on one thing at a time. So you don't have to change everything at once. And often times small steps really are the ones that will last and really work and um, with lifestyle change which I'm sure um, everyone here at this table knows but we really do focus on those small consistent habits that you do every day it's often not one big thing that you need to do but but a bunch of little things uh, that you need to do that'll make a difference so um, behaviors that we typically see that that clients want to change um, number one is little or no exercise we hear that all the time so um, every Everybody knows that exercise helps it. And we've talked about that in podcasts as well. So that's a big one. Also low fruit and veggie intake is another one that we hear all the time. I, I need to eat more fruits and veggies, or I want to eat more fruits and veggies. Um, drinking calorie dense beverages is another one. So uh, maybe people are drinking sodas or um, alcohol, those kinds of things. Um, and that's a goal that a lot of people have. Also participating in emotional eating. That's a huge one. And so often dealing with those emotions in healthier ways and pinpointing what those triggers are is helpful um, and then lack of portion control. And so that's something that we definitely hear a lot from our clients as far as habits that they want to change.
2: Mm-hmm. All right, Alex, hit us with our third one. All right. Determine what those current habits are doing for you now. So how is this habit serving you? So an example would be a habit of skipping exercise daily. So what does this habit achieve? Does it give you more time, allow you to sit down and relax after a long day? Think about the pros and cons of your habit. Do the cons outweigh the pros and vice versa? And... there's this book, um, Atomic Habits, and I already talked about it like 16 times with everybody before this, and Cassie's read it too, um, and I'm sure Amanda and Sarah are going to read it, but if you haven't read it, it's a fantastic book talking a lot about what we're talking about today, um, and it talks about your identity and how you want to identify, um, so thinking back like to those habits is, is this how you want to identify? So if your goal is to truly become a healthier person, it's important that your habits start to align with who you want to be. Um, So, for example, imagine that you're trying to quit the habit of smoking, but a friend offers you a cigarette. So you want to determine how you want to identify. So are you going to say, no, thanks, I'm trying to quit smoking? Or are you going to say, no, thanks, I'm not a smoker? So that's kind of changing your identity rather than you know, just saying I might try to do something. Um, So the second response is someone who has realized their habit and is determined to make an identity change rather than someone who may not truly be invested in their change. So there's a big difference. So that's
0: awesome. I think that's a big part of becoming healthy and and changing your unhealthy behaviors is identifying with those things. So I love that. I think that's great.
1: Yeah, I love that part of the book. And they talked about, you know, some people can make healthy lifestyle changes just by making that one switch is I am a healthy person. And what would a healthy person do in this situation? And I think that's just a really neat way, simple way to think about it. Mm -hmm. um, Because once you make that identity change, then those habits become normal, you know, or what, people would typically do, um, as a a non-smoker would not have a cigarette, you know, that's obvious. So a healthy person would
3: exercise, would eat well. So, so very interesting to think about. Yeah, totally. Super powerful. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. All right, Amanda, you're up with the fourth.
3: I was going to say changing your identity can be hard for the people around you too. Like maybe your family members Mm. or friends that aren't supportive when you're changing into a healthier person. So surrounding yourself with people that support your healthier person identity is very important. I love that. All right, now I'll hit you with the fourth. Addressing the unhealthy habit. So this is the hard part. You've determined that you have a habit worth addressing. You've analyzed that the pros of changing the behavior outweigh the cons. Now what do we do? This is where we come in as your dietitian. Put a a plan in place. Give yourself tools and a replacement behavior late night calorie intake instead of just don't eat the calories think about the environment that facilitates eating the cal- the calories so the environment is a long day at work you come home and eat dinner sit on the couch to relax and watch tv and then you eat the calories so let's break this down change the behavior that's sit on the couch to relax and watch tv rather than changing the behavior eat the calories into just stop eating the calories Instead of sitting on the couch, your replacement behavior can be cleaning up the house, getting your lunch ready for the next day, planning meals, going on a walk, exercising, doing yoga. The list goes on and on. Find a healthy behavior that works for you and that you enjoy.
0: Great. And there's going to be some triggers that come with those lifestyle changes. So Cassie's going to tell us about that.
1: You definitely need to identify the triggers and act on them. So writing them down, we love writing things down here. So it really is a helpful tool, but write down those triggers. When you notice them being aware of them next to the behaviors you identified that you want to change. So if you want to eat, if you want to eat smaller portions and you eat large portions and drink calorie dense beverages, when you're out socially limit those social triggers like restaurants, bars, nights out, et cetera. And so if you look at people who do have healthier health, habits often they are controlling their environment and those triggers um, it's not that they have any more motivation or um, self-control than people who don't it's just that you know we typically have a more controlled environment and so um, not putting ourselves in positions that maybe would be difficult to make a healthy choice Um, and so also remember that certain people can be triggers and so again sometimes that can be hard when you're looking at who you want to be and how you want to live your life. And that may involve people that are in your life that are making it easier for you to have unhealthy behavior. So just be aware of that um, and be sure to write that down. And then, you know, you might need to remove those triggers temporarily if needed um, or try to limit your exposure to that um, trigger if you have something that um, you feel like you can't handle. So um, and again, you know, I'll, I'll use the um, the Girl Scout cookie you know, a situation. So, <laughs> situation. Yeah. so, um, so, you know, I have, um, Girl Scout cookie time and I, I'm a big fan of Girl Scout cookies. And so, and I think, um, again, we always want you to have balance, but, um, oftentimes people will buy like six or seven boxes, you know? And so that's a certain example that that might be a trigger for you. If it's not, that's great. But if you feel like you can't handle six or seven boxes at your house and stay on track, then maybe buy one, box and give a donation for the other part and try to you know divide it out and make it harder for you to eat the entire box at one time so so that's just one example about one of those triggers um those cute little girl scouts um selling you the cookies but they do take donations too so hard to say no (laughs) it is i don't say no either but you know but again i do um limit how many i buy and um And try to walk by um, without you know getting some every time I see them (laughs) around so um, and then you know again that's really just about how you're gonna incorporate balance and you know again we want you to have realistic habits Um, none of us eat perfectly food should be um, pure enjoyment sometimes as well and so um, we want you to have that but that you know it can't be all or nothing um, with these types of things so those triggers are important to identify so you can then um, try to learn how to do better with not having those triggers in your life as much.
0: Right. And throughout this process, there's going to be a lot of difficulties and obstacles. And the way that you interact with yourself is extremely important. So that takes us to our sixth step or tip. It's to monitor your negative self-talk. So when we say self-talk, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's how you talk to yourself. It's a stream of unspoken thoughts running through your head and they can be positive or negative. So think about it. If you continuously have negative thoughts in your head, you're probably going to have a more pessimistic outlook. So first, try and identify that you are engaging in negative self-talk. That's kind of the step with anything related to behavior change is recognizing that it's happening. Um, So identify that and then learn how to turn this into positive self-talk. So try and follow a simple rule of don't say anything to yourself that you wouldn't say to anyone else and encourage yourself and, you know, replace those negative thoughts with affirmations of yourself. So an easy switch, which this is some thing that I've said to myself before is I'm too lazy to get this done so that would be your negative self-talk reframe that and say, I couldn't fit it into my schedule, but I can re-examine some priorities. So that would be not necessarily positive self-talk, but just a reframing of talking to yourself in a negative way, putting yourself down. Another example is negative self-talk would be, there's no way that it will work. Reframe it to say, I can try to make it work. Even just those simple changes can do worlds for your mindset. You are going to be your biggest motivator and your biggest critic throughout this process. You are, with yourself 100% of the time so what you say to yourself matters and research shows that positive thinking may actually lead to better psychological and physical well-being and better coping skills during you know times of hardships and stress which those things happen when you're going through a lifestyle change all right we're on to number seven yes
2: and taking small sustainable steps forward I love this this is a marathon it is not a sprint As you know, marathons are long and sprints are typically short. So slow and steady wins the race. Rather than trying to improve a habit by a hundred percent doing everything all at once, try to improve a habit by one percent every single day. Sometimes there is a period where change may be slow, but it is coming if you trust the process rather than obsess about the outcome. Like, for example, weight and body fat loss. If you just Trust what you're eating every day, being a healthier person, exercising, sleeping well. Um, If you trust that process, then the outcome's going to be there. You don't need to obsess over the scale, over the numbers, all that kind of stuff. When seeing slow changes, this is referred to as the plateau of latent potential, where people feel that their weeks or months of hard work may not be paying off. However, it's not wasted and the results are coming. It just takes time. So small steps Slow and steady wins the race. Behavior change is meant to be difficult. You are literally training yourself to stop what you've been doing your entire life and start doing something completely different. That's hard, people. This is difficult. So aiming for small, sustainable goals is important because failure can be discouraging. And we understand that. Life happens. Things come up. Determine what you will do if something affects your ability to carry out a behavior change goal you have. Again, think about your identity, aka repeated behaviors, sameness. And Latin is actually what identity means.
3: Oh, really? Repeated
2: behaviors and sameness. So like doing the same things, habits over and over again kind of creates your identity. So are you wanting to make changes because a dietitian is telling you to, or do you want to identify as a healthier person and take steps to make that deeper change, make those small steps to make that identity change? So for example, you plan to exercise for one hour a day, you have an appointment that came up, find another way to squeeze in 10 or more minutes of activity, and this will reinforce your new habit, even if you can't commit to it 100%. So talking about making those small changes, small changes can benefit health. Small amounts of light physical activity are more beneficial than none. And there's research that shows that even 11 minutes of activity can be beneficial. Slight changes in what you eat can help with long-term weight management and behavior change achievements. However, small can increase self-confidence, which can in turn stimulate continuance of behavior changes and future changes. So
0: instead he wins the race. Mm All right, Amanda, what is number eight? Number eight
3: is please accept that a relapse is bound to happen Habits do not change overnight. It takes years of practice to master a behavior, and that includes nutrition and fitness behavior skills. Continue to love yourself and encourage yourself each time a relapse happens. It is part of the process. Please learn from your mistakes. The definition of insanity, right, is doing the same thing over and over again and not changing it and not learning from it. So when you make a mistake, analyze what you did to lead to this relapse was it stress lack of time management loss of motivation or maybe all of the above once you decide what led to the relapse and poor behavior do your best to manage it and set a small realistic goal to work back into the healthy behavior for example if you stopped going to the gym altogether start back maybe one day a week and the next week go twice a week if you stop packing your lunches start with packing a lunch one to two times per week baby steps Remind yourself that you are human, give yourself grace, and get back on track as soon as you are ready. Don't dwell on the mistakes.
0: Yeah, and the next one, which we've kind of been talking about in these last two, is just to be patient. We told you it takes time. Habits, in and of itself, take a long time to change, and you have to continuously reinforce those neuropathways pathways that are automatic in your brain to change their default settings. Um, and there's research on kind of what happens during behavior change. There's lots of research on it actually. There's one. There's a research study through the British Journal of General Practice, and they stated that. It can actually take upwards of two to three months. So specifically they found like at a 10 week mark um, behavior became second nature. So when I think of second nature, I think of driving. I don't really have to think about what I do when I'm driving. Sometimes I forget like five minutes of of a span of driving. Um, So that's what I think of when I think of second nature. And so they break it down into three different phases. And so the first phase is the initiation phase. And what happens here is you are choosing a new habit and where or when the action is done. So they actually want you to pick like a context or an environment that you will do this new habit for reinforcement So if you look at examples, one can be to increase more fruit. So your goal is to eat more fruit. Your plan that you've decided is after I have lunch at home, I will have a piece of fruit. So that's you determining when and where, and the context can really be any cue. So it can be when I go to work, it can be after breakfast, it can be after work, the list is endless, just pick some context. Um, And you wanna pick one that happens almost every day. So it does have to occur frequently and consistently, otherwise, your new habit is not going to occur frequently and consistently. And it is important to note that this phase requires motivation because it won't be easy. So if you need to go back to assess where your motivation lies, if you have the proper motivation, then let's start the initiation phase. So the next phase is called the learning phase. And so here behavior is repeated in the chosen context to continue to strengthen um, the, the association between context and behavior. So you're eating lunch at home, you automatically eat fruit after lunch. Make sure that this habit that you choose is realistic for you. That's We talk about that all the time. It does need to be realistic for you or else you might not do it. And research shows that forming an unrealistic goal for behavior change can lead to giving up during this learning phase specifically. So this phase is they determine crucial in creating a healthy habit. So this idea of repeating a specific action at the same time can be different from some advice when adopting healthful behaviors, which can emphasize variation in behaviors and settings to just to simply sustain your interest. And variation can prevent boredom, um, which some of our clients definitely struggle with, but it is more effortful and it does depend on maintaining motivation. So with this research article, they determined that when you're looking purely at developing an automatic behavior, something that you just do second nature, research shows that repetition and um, consistency is most effective. And then the last phase is short and simple. It's the stability phase, exactly what it sounds like. Your habit is formed and its strength is maintained to continuing performance without much effort. So all of that process can take up to two to three months, which is a long time. So be patient. And Cassie's going to wrap us up with our 10th tip.
1: It is measure or track your journey. And as you can see from everything we've talked about, there are a lot of moving parts when you're looking at habit changes. And sometimes it can be overwhelming. So data can really help you create focus and see that maybe you're doing things really well even though they are small things throughout the day and it can really enhance motivation and adherence to what you're trying to do so you can see it so pictures for example of, t- of your food is something that we help people with so just taking a picture you can see trends and maybe you don't realize what you're doing unless you take a picture of it and you say oh wow my plate was totally brown and there is no color there that's something that I want to do something different about also body composition measurements are great and that's something that you know we really encourage here for a lot of our clients just for data and to help people stay on track because they see these these small wins you know every four to six weeks or so and they realize okay these things are working even though maybe I don't see it on the scale my body composition is changing my body is changing I'm feeling better Um, symptom tracking is huge you know we have a lot of people that want to feel better have more energy um, live better, those kinds of things, have clearer thought. And those are things that often you can see if you start tracking those. Um, And you can also notice how you feel whenever you eat maybe a meal that's not super healthy or you overeat. And so I encourage people to write those feelings down as well. Whenever I ate this, I really felt bad for about four hours. And so um, do you want to feel bad for four hours? You know, that's kind of that negative reinforcement for the behavior that you want to break. Um, and then you can see how you feel whenever you, you know, some your family was in town and they all wanted to go to Andy's. You didn't really want Andy's that day. And so you said, no, I'm good. And you went and enjoyed your family, didn't have the Andy's. Do you feel empowered after that? How did you feel about that decision? So that symptom tracking is um, really good. And then energy levels too. Um, that's something that's huge. I know I feel a lot better whenever I'm eating well. And so that ke- helps keep me on track. Um, you can also track your workouts, which is something, that I like to do with my Apple Watch. <laughs> so, um, and you can track how much you lifted during a workout, how many miles you ran, your steps, that's something that a lot of people do just to give you that little extra motivation, how fast you went, um, how far you went, those kinds of things. And so whatever you feel like would help you, if it's an area you're wanting to change or do better on, then that's a place maybe you could start that tracking and see what your habits are and um, how you're improving on those. And I we like the reward system too you. so you know you could give yourself a little nugget to shoot for so if I you know do if I track for 60 days or whatever um, three months or a month or you could do it shorter longer you could go um, buy yourself a new outfit or a new pair of shoes or something um, non-food related we say mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, you could go to a movie you know whatever it is and this can also work for if you have a group of friends y'all could have you know money involved um, a lot of people are motivated by that everyone could put money in a pot, or if you have a family, um, it could be something that you do that's fun together. You can say, okay, we're going to really try to eat at home more. So if we eat at home, you know, so many days a week for the next month, then we're all going to go do something fun together. So you can do all sorts of things um, to help with and tracking really helps you do that.
0: Yeah. And if you struggle to figure out Anything that we talked about in in terms of what data should we track, what behavior should I change, that's what we're here for. Um, So we can help you kind of lay out this process if you need that help. And these 10 steps that we went over, it's not the only way to change an unhealthy behavior, but it is what we believe is the most effective way. So remember to always find what works for you and that we are here to support you and guide you as your dietitian along the way. If you like today's topic, go ahead and like this episode and add a comment below. If you've been listening to Practical Nutrition for a while or are brand new to our channel, go ahead and leave us a five-star review. We are continuously trying to grow this platform to share all of the nutrition knowledge that we can, and those reviews can help us do that. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode, and we will see you next time.